Hey everyone, welcome to The Next Level, a podcast from the Team Performance Institute. Here we provide actionable insights on modern leadership and team development, driving higher levels of organizational performance and life empowerment. I'm your host, John Sanchez. Join me and my team as we take you on the journey to the next level. Right. Thank you for joining us on our Leadership Through Chaos special series on the next level. I am here with Congressman Brad Winstrup. Brad, it is so uh, exciting to have you as part of this and get your perspective on how things are going out there. Glad to be with you, John. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's honored honor to be with you, and thanks so much just for your time. I know how busy you are uh, between you know getting from here all the way out to, I know you're heading to Washington, D.C. tomorrow. Um, you know, Brad, can you help us and, and just help us get a deeper understanding? You don't just start as Brad Winstrip, Congressman. Um, can you just take us through a little bit of your leadership journey and how you are and how you got to where you are today? Well, I think one of, one of the things that happened along the way is uh, I went, I looked through, through doors that, that opened a little bit because uh, I never planned on being in Congress you know, as a doctor. I was going along with my practice just fine. And I saw our country getting attacked time and time again. So in 1998, I joined the Army Reserve. And in 2005, 2006, I was chief of surgery of a combat support hospital at Abu Ghraib prison in Iraq for a year. And when I came back, I started giving talks about my tour and, and heroes that I served with. And then I get asked to do a lot of talks, Kiwanis, Rotary, churches, et cetera. And people kept saying, you ought to run for office. And so over time, it kind of got to me. And I said, do I want to look back and, and wish I had done it? So I, I ran for Congress and, and won. Now I'm in my fourth term and still serving in the Army Reserve. So I feel very blessed and I have a very patient and um, hardworking wife that makes it all work for all of us with two little kids. <laughs> isn't that isn't that the best right to have i know yeah. you know, monica on your side by your side you know all the time and navigating through this with two two young ones so we have you know with us dr brad winstrip who's a physician and surgeon colonel brad winstrip who u.s army reserve and i know in your humility you're not talking about you know, I, I know your experience in Iraq, being an Iraqi war veteran and having been on the front lines and, and laying your hands on those and, and serving and healing those. And then now we have Congressman Brad Winstrup. But if you strip it all down, you know, knowing Brad Winstrup is a great patriot and really a great family man as well. So, Brad, thanks. Uh, you know, people tell me sometimes, thanks for your service. I'd like to just, you know, really extend that to you because not only do you, do you continue to serve in our United States military, but you're now serving on a broader level for all of us in Congress. So thank you for that. Um, uh, it's, a, it, it's, it's an honor. You know, it's uh, a lot of it has to do with how you're brought up. I lost my dad just about a year ago and you know, he was always about both of my parents were always about doing, doing the right thing and as best you can uh, help others as best you can. And uh, he carries, it carries out throughout the family. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of my, my parents. And you know what, my wife grew up in a similar situation. And she did mission work for about 10 years after college. And so uh, she, she has a lot to hang her hat on as well. And I think it, uh, it, it pays for the family for sure. Yeah, that, that's for sure. The Winstrup family really does stand for that service 
you know, before self. And, you know, I'm really sorry for the loss of your family. I know you have a very tight family as well. Let's talk about, yeah. let's talk about that for a second, because this is, this is a big family time. Everybody is, you know, indoors, everybody is working, you know, tighter and closer with family than ever. Let's talk about communication, right? As you are now, you lead a team in Washington, you lead a team back here in the uh, Ohio area. Let's talk about your style and communication. How does that change or does it change during during times of crisis? Well, first of all, within the family, I don't have to text or call my wife very often because we are certainly <laughs> together a whole lot more like most families are. And there's, you know, there's some real positives to that. I think a lot of families I talk to, they're really enjoying the time together, although it's a little bit uh, cloistered and sometimes a little bit uh, cabin fever that, de that develops, but they are, they are enjoying it and find that they've been meaning to do together that they can still do in this environment. But on, on the professional front from a congressional office, it's, it's definitely different. It was seeing this coming. It was about a few weeks ago for three or four. I made sure that we were able to supply each of our employees with the electronics they would need, a laptop, et cetera, to work from home. And so that changed. But I got to tell you, everyone in my office is back working as though they're right there in, in the office. And that's a good thing. So those are just some of the things you have to do to get ready. In other words, prior planning, if you can, sometimes you don't always get prior planning. Uh, it just comes upon you. But, you know, it, I also have people that understand the responsibility that they have in this time uh, to be of service, to be of service to our constituents and to keep the ball rolling. And, you know, through this, we've been able to get bills passed that are designed to help the American people during this time. And, you know, that's kind of tricky when we're not always all together in Washington. So we, we drive on. That definitely changes. You adapt and overcome, right? The, the situation changes. You don't go, oh, my gosh, you know, we're just frozen here. We go, oh, here's what we got to do to try and deal with this. And so that's, that's what we're doing. You know, out of everything bad, there's a chance to do something good. And sometimes you may find in a situation like this that there's better practices than what you were doing. Yeah, isn't that the truth? All of a sudden, we get forced into a situation like we are now. And our, you know, we get a little bit enlightened around some of the virtual capabilities that we have or really the communication. How was it going before? It makes us take a look back towards what were we doing and you know, how, how can we look better? No surprise that you've taken a positive look at this, Brad. Let's talk about a little bit about your, you know, your role as a congressman. When so much of it is a lot of being with people, being in front of people, working with people. How are you doing now? How are you building trust? How are you building some of the relationships that you have um, or continue to build during this, this time when we, when we have to be quarantined? Well, you know, social media is a big help with that because you can really reach out to people anyway. People can still email our office. <clears throat> we can put things out that are almost public service announcements because, well, look, we've just passed three new, three new bills that have a lot of application to what people are wondering is going to happen. And we can put out some of the details of that or who they can contact and what they should do with their small business. So there's a lot of opportunity there. And, you know, in the big picture with this, too, in a leadership role, you have to know when to go fast and when to go slow. And because either one can be detrimental if it's not done at the right pace. 
and also, and it's and John, you you understand this, the military guy. You, you you need to be calm when others are not, and I think that's really one of the keys, and not a false sense of calm. You have to be honest. Uh, in this situation we have right now, we're, you have to be very serious about it, but at the same time, be optimistic with the truth, and explain why we're doing things. So why why are we tr- keeping people? further from each other. This is a message you got to give over and over again, especially with the safety precautions, washing your hands, things like that. Um, so it, it's a combination of, of uh, being optimistic, but being very truthful about things. You know, I think as, as a doctor, I might have a patient that comes in, has a bad infection in their leg, and I, I say to them, this is very serious, and we have to go to work on this, and we're going to get you in the hospital, and take you into the operating room, start you on some antibiotics. We're going to take care of you. I don't go in the room and say, oh, my gosh, you are going to lose your leg. Right. right? Because <laughs> that, what we're trying to do is not let that happen. And that's really what's happening today. So a lot with what you see, this prevention, it's really hard for people to grasp. And this makes it a little bit more challenging because you never get to see what you prevented. And so so many people are on lockdown and, it's, and it can be challenging. Um, but fi- find the good in it. It's there to try and prevent more people from getting sick and overwhelming our system. And at the same time, spend time with your family. Watch the movie you intended to see and haven't been able to get together and see. Read the book you wanted to do. Take walks with your family. Spend some time. Work on projects that you have told yourself for years you were going to do uh, around the house or whatever, and you haven't done it. So, I know I'm kind of going all over the place with that, but there are so many things, but because those things that I'm talking to about are things that I, I would share with my staff as well and, and the people that I'm expected to lead and want them to make sure they're eating well, make sure they're getting proper sleep and understand that this, this is something that we will get through and let's all rise to the challenge and get through it. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more in so many just salient points that you said around, you know, staying calm, you know, in, in this sense, but not being blind, blind to the real reality. Um, but also, you know, mm-hmm. trying to stay positive. We think about and we studied, I don't know if you're familiar with the Stockdale paradox, but it's really not this blind optimism, but really just taking it uh, one step at a time and walking through this. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do you stay positive? You know, speaking of positivity, how are you staying positive? How are you staying positive while being realistic? Well, one of the things uh, I've been involved pretty heavily locally with trying to coordinate us being able to come up with treatments and cures. And our hospitals in the greater Cincinnati area have really coordinated nicely uh, to be prepared for what may be coming. And at the same time, there's a lot of science that's, that's coming out of this. And, you know, like I said before, out of everything bad, there's a chance to do something good. And so we've been working on how we can make sure that we're finding out who the people are that have gotten this and recovered because they would hold the antibodies that may be able to help someone else. And so we've been working on a protocol with FDA. And so that's a very positive thing to be working on because you, you may have something there that's going to help save lives. And this isn't new technology, per se, or a new theory. This is all proven type stuff. It's just a matter of getting it organized. So that's, that's a very positive thing to, to work on. 
you know, then there's, there's other things that you do that have been part of your normal life. For example, today, my family, we all sat and uh, on, online, if you will, we went to Sunday Mass. Rather than going to church, we went, went to Sunday Mass. And we get a nice message there, too, right, about being able to care for one another. So you, you look for the, for the positives. There's a book called Tribe that inspired me tremendously. And it, it talks about how in a tribe, everybody is essential. And I think the more we can be out there for each other, making ourselves the essential to at least someone else, if not ourselves, uh, but to, to one another. So those are the things that you can do to, to be positive and make sure you're staying in touch with, with those that you work with and those that you love. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And just to slow us down for a second, first thing I asked you when I said about, you know, hey, how do you keep yourself positive? This is such great insight, everyone. First is see outside of yourself. It's something that we've been talking about for a long time is, you know, see outside of yourself, go and do things for others. And that service before self really helps you, you know, be in the moment. And, and then the next part is taking care of yourself, spend time with family. Like you said, you know, take care of yourself, read a book, everything from, you know, some people are just having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning right now. And that's okay. I mean, that, that is, these are, these are definitely Tough times. Um, Brad, you turned me on to that book, Tribe, a few years ago, and I read it. And yeah. I thought it was brilliant. And you're absolutely right. Everybody has a role to play in this. And we as Americans, everybody can continue to do, even if your role is to stay safe, stay home, and do the right thing mm -hmm. by our country. Yeah, because it might be, what's your job today? My job today is make sure my, my family does not get this illness. Uh, what, you know, even if it's, it's just that. Uh, at the same time, I know people have anxieties about where their income is going to be coming from, and that's what we're trying to do. We're taking, we've taken unprecedented steps that, uh, with our federal government to try and help people. What we're trying to do, John, is make it so that people have, businesses have some liquidity so that they can stay afloat, not lose employees, not have to put people on the unemployment list but to maintain them in some way and for the employees have the ability to pay their bills or defer them, delay them, whatever the case may be. So we can get through this. This country's gotten through a lot. And when you do look back, you think, Oh, well, we're going to get through this. We've been through a civil war depression. Uh, America knows how to, how to do this. There's no other country I'd rather be in than the United States of America. Are there, are there going to be some, some, is there going to be some sadness with this? No doubt about it. You know, people, we are losing people. Um, and uh, that's what makes it very challenging at this time, uh, clearly. Uh, but we're getting, we're getting a handle on things. And I think, too, we can talk about this in greater detail. We're going to be better prepared the next time anything else like this comes along. Amen. Amen. I, I completely agree. Of course, we're all hoping and praying that something like this doesn't come along. But, you know, we weren't certainly didn't feel like we were prepared for for 9-11. And we watched the country really rally around that. And there's a lot of, you know, discussion whether you can make those parallels or not. But it's just a simple time of like being put back on our heels possibly as a country. And how do how do we, you know, react? There's going to be there's going to be work to do, right? There's going to be certainly work to do as we get through this. What do you, Brad, what do you see now as Americans? What can we do? To, pre to prepare for the work ahead? Like, what is it that we can be doing that can help us 
you know, as, and I've been telling everybody, guys, there is a finish line to this, right? We, we will get back to it. What can we do now? And, you know, what do you see ahead? Well, you know, we're, we're a free country and people have the right to question things. Uh, we, we are in a free country, have the ability to change the way things have been done and don't have to stick with how it was always done. And we have the ability to recognize shortcomings, and we have the ability and the freedom to seek solutions to our problems. And I think that's what makes America work. So I, um, I think it's a time to put politics aside, for sure. Uh, con constructive criticism is always welcome. I think non-constructive criticism is not helping us as a country today. And I hope that people can, can stay away from that. This is a new virus, something we haven't seen before. We have the opportunity going forward to fix glitches. You know, our abilities as a government when it comes to say things in healthcare, coming up with, with a new drug or a vaccine or a trial, we have very thorough processes in place that do usually take time, like coming up with a test for, th for this virus was challenging and there's a lot of regulations. And what has taken place, one of the lessons learned in an emergency situation like that, you have to be able to lift some of those to be able to move faster. So for example, on the testing, uh, we, can, we can do that better and we will do that better ne next time. Also, our supply chain. You know, we're realizing that many of our supplies, especially on the medical side, we were relying on other countries like China for those supplies. And we can't do that. We just can't do that. You know, I think about that with the military. And you know this, John, there's always that strong push that everything must be domestic. And I agree with that, especially for our military. But in this particular case, our military medicine did not have a domestic source for everything that we need. And so that has got to change. So there's some positives we can learn from this and be ready and more prepared the next time. And people around the world are going to look to us and see how we do it. And I will say that, you know, this is th this concept of, of having things here domestically is not only important for our own peace of mind, but it has been good for America because we've seen in recent years manufacturing coming back and these capabilities growing. And that's why in part you have more and more people employed. Yeah. Or absolutely. had until, right. until this right. situation. Right? Until the situation, you know, until the situation occurred. And, and then we're going to, you know, this is a record, of course, we've never seen anything like this as a country and um, the bounce back. Um, and again, I think about things in a, in a positive sense, but you know, the bounce back when we walk through 2008, 2009, 2010, extremely difficult from a financial perspective. I was in the financial sector at the time and there was this discussion of things will never go back to normal again. Um, certainly a lot of things changed and certainly we got a lot better at doing things and there's a lot more transparency in that industry. But uh, you know, as you articulated, you, you have this background in, in medicine and you can see from the inside, especially from the top of the house, quite literally actually, uh, that uh, things will change right? Um, what are some yeah. of the positive things that you're seeing um, right now? It's funny, I'm just taking a side for a second when you we were talking about, you know, taking some time with your family and, you know, 
watching that movie or looking at that series that you never thought we, my family got into this small series um, called Smallville, which is about Superman, right? About Superman in high school uh-huh. growing up. And my kids are just uh-huh. that perfect age to like really, really, really get into this. But it's about, it's about truth, you know, justice in the American way, which is, um, you know, straight off of something that you, that you really stand for. So, you know, this country needs that now more than ever. What are some of the positive things that you're seeing from some of the people out there right now? Some people in your world that they're, they're making well, changes. Well, a couple of things, you know, let's, let, let me just start internally with my staff. You know, good, good example is one of my staff members helped a lady who was stranded abroad, get home and, you know, work through that with state department, et cetera. Those, that staffer leaves with a great feeling that day because they helped somebody. And so there's a lot of positives that are coming out for my staff as being there to be a helpful tool to people that don't know really how to ter- where to turn. And so that's a positive. But outside, I look at companies like Soul Choice. Soul Choice is in Portsmouth, Ohio, part of the second district. And Soul Choice makes shoelaces. And they've converted part of their business to make bands working with New Balance who's making the mask and the bands that go on the mask together, they are now fulfilling a shortage there when it comes to masks. It's Shawnee State. They created shields that people can wear, protective shields. We had a young man uh, who developed 3D printing masks here in the district, just, just making them 3D printing. And, you know, we just get one story after another of what people are coming up with. You know, necessity is the mother of invention sometimes, right? Right, right. And you look at others that are retooling to make uh, antiseptics so that you can, you can clean and, and make sure that you're killing off the virus. Those types of things have been, been great all across the country. And in the meantime, we've done things like, you know, telephone town halls where we get, you know, a thousand or so people on the call and take questions and and if they have a question we didn't get to, they can submit it. We're getting our letter, letters out. And just the other thing, too, is we're trying to coordinate um, federal, state, and local. And so you see so many positive things, everyone reaching out from their own little sector to see how can we intertwine all of this. And as I, and as I talked about before, all of our hospitals coming together with the health collaborative to be ready, uh, to have a plan in place with each hospital having a certain role that if we need to build build facilities or use facilities outside our hospitals, we're ready for that. And that's been, that's been wonderful stuff. And so, you know what, hopefully in, in our area in greater Cincinnati, hopefully we don't need it. Uh, we'll see because the peak hasn't hit yet, but knowing we're ready, will have us even more ready the next time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right on. I think that um, one of the things that we talk about, at Team Performance Institute is we call battlefield expectations. And we try to relate those into things we can do on a day-to-day basis. So you just outlined so many things that folks are doing. Uh, one of our battlefield expectations is simple. There's an absence of orders or direction. Just take charge and lead. Just go for it. You know, right. um, come up with a solution. Your solution might not be the solution, but it's okay. You're, you're thinking in the right direction. How do you keep, Brad, how do you keep your team, your family, you know, your two teams, one in Washington, one back here, how do you keep them just moving forward? How do you keep the momentum forward with a, you know, with a team at a time like this? 
Well, you know, they're a pretty close-knit group, even though we have some employees in Washington and then some employees here in the district. We have an office in Hamilton County and Anderson, and we have one in Adams County in Peebles. And the communication across the team is great. So they're there and lean on each other, even if it's from afar. And so the motivation seems to be very good. I mean, it's really amazing. I've been so pleased with the people we've been able to hire over the years because I haven't seen really anyone come into this type of work working in a congressional office with a selfish attitude. So that's been that's been kind of kind of easy there too. Now, I would say what's tougher is the six year old and two year old. <laughs> right on. But, but that but that would go on anyway. <laughs> and, and you know what? But even with the six year old, we have a conversation. He knows this is this is something different, and uh, that there's certain things he's going to have to be more helpful and and do things like that. And and when Daddy's on a call like this. He's got to be quiet, and so does the two-year-old, and he tries to make sure that everybody's behaving. So is that, is um, they, that they, there's some self-motivation there with all of them. That's right. That's right. And, you know, there's also a lot more forgiveness in having a kid come and bomb your call, you know, these days, because we're all going through <laughs> it, right? It's just like, bam, somebody jumps in, you're like, well, there it is. That's part of the, that's part of our new reality. How much respect? I should have had have him about? come in and just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would love to hear Brad Jr. in the background. How, you know, how much respect do we have now for teachers and for uh, school counselors and guidance counselors, the principals and everybody going through this? Like, there's just, you know, that's something positive that has come out of this. It's probably uh grown us closer to them in terms of respect for all the work that they're doing and have to continue to do uh even separated from us now so, you know what i'm so glad you brought that up because you know uh it's so nice that it's sunday and we actually have a day off but my wife monica i i do some of the school work with my son that they send over she's doing 90 percent of it easily if not more and she is online He's online with his classmates. He's online with his teachers. This is kindergarten. And, and they're sending a lot of work. And she has become a kindergarten teacher. She is tired at the end of the day. But God bless her. She's <laughs> doing it. And, uh, again, staying up because, you know, you got to be up. It's a, a big picture. And, you know, a friend of mine wrote something, John. He's a psychologist, Ken Mangus, M-A-N-G-E-S. And he called it um, a deliberate happiness. And you, your best always, and, and we talked, he and I talked about this before this crisis hit, just in general, because, you know, let's be honest, there's been a lot of people angry. And, uh, you know, he goes, we, we, everyone needs a little deliberate happiness. And you have to find your ways to, to some happiness. It's a healthy thing to do. And in spite of everything around you. And, you know, look, you've, you've been you know what it's like in war. You know what it's like in tough, challenging times. Isn't it amazing how the people you were with, you always found something to laugh at and to smile about, even though the world was just incredibly cruel around you. And I think that that uh, is so helpful and so important. Isn't that the truth? And I know that, you know, you probably go back to your times. I do as well. And when we were younger or when things got really out of control or things got, you know, adversity was right there and the people that are around you were more important than ever and those bonds and, and relationships and the strength of those relationships is 
you know, is everlasting. I, I have so many neat friends, um, you know, throughout all throughout my time, some really incredible people of faith, some really incredible people uh, that wore the uniform as well. And it's so amazing when I think about, you know, how, if I reflect truly on how I, those relationships were grown and built over time, a lot of them were when we really needed each other. You know, we look across the table and you and in a tough meeting, and somebody smiles at you, or when you look across in the mud, somebody looks at you and gives you that that kind of like smirky smile that you see, and you're like, "Yep, I'm going to go a thousand more miles now because he's here or she's here." Um, and I hope that that we can do the same thing that you know you and you and Monica as well, and just you know everybody can pull together during times like this, working together, seeing each other. Um, in a different light as a couple seeing each other in a different light as, as a, a family unit, because it's something that we've all been forced into. Um, yeah, I really, and, I really appreciate bringing it up. And, and beyond that, John, too, um, as, as, as a nation, That's right. As a nation, how we pull together and, you know, really, it, uh, hopefully as a world, but we'll see on that one. That's always a little more challenging. Yeah, my reflection is, I mean, I had that epiphany a couple of weeks ago to think it's, it's, it's wild that we can all be united as a, as a, as a globe, right, around, around the idea that we all would love to see a cure to this. We would all love to see us, you know, come out of this. Um, and, um, it, you know, I think it would have been just inconceivable for anybody in January to have called for a global slowdown, uh, a global family time, a global you know, um, you can't go anywhere time. That's just, it, it blows my mind to think about where we were even, you know, a couple of months ago to where we are now. And I'm also inspired by how people are, are uh, reacting in this. You know, we had the same experience that you guys had as a family. We, we had family uh, mass this morning and we were lucky enough to do it in our pajamas. And they said, <laughs> in our little mass, they said, hey, now's a good time to do communion. So, uh, so Anya grabbed the blueberry muffins that here, here you go guys, you know, and, and think like maybe that, that's what it was like, you know, way back when, you know, communion was just time to come together and to, uh, literally break bread and, and, and be a, be a family. And so through that, it's been great. Um, Brad, this has been really an incredible conversation with you. I really appreciate you know how busy you are. And I know you, you got a trip to pack for to get back to Washington to work on a lot of things for us in our country. Um, I, yeah, I just have a couple quick questions for you. Um, sure. Just, just to close up, I'd, I'd love to hear if you were to look back on some of the experiences that you've had, some of the tougher ones, you know, what would you tell yourself, uh, you know, now that you have a little bit different perspective of it, now that you've been through a lot, both as a, or geez, as a surgeon, as an army, you know, war veteran, as a congressman, what would you tell yourself, a younger, a younger Brad Winstrup? Well, during these situations, you know, I often go to the uh, serenity prayer, you know, where you are talking about having the ability to accept the things you can't change, the courage to change the things you can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And, uh, you know, some things are out of our control and some things we can control. And we can either try to contribute positively or, or, or negatively. And that's where I said where, you know, like negativity is not really helpful now. We can, we can be critical, 
Um, but let's let's be critical in, in a good way. Um, but you know, um, to me, life is a part-time job. We're all just passing through. And challenges are gonna come to us in many, many different forms. And this one is a lot more collective. It falls on everyone. And so accept that and then go ahead and see what you can do. Have the courage to change the things that you can and everyone do that at a personal level and feel some satisfaction about what you have done or tried to do. That is absolutely fantastic advice and counsel. And, you know, Brad, I can't thank you for not only leading our, our second district here in Ohio, but really leading the country as a whole by just leading by example and what you do and what you've chosen to, you know, live this life of service, uh, live this life of service before self. So I will give you the final word, sir, and, and you know, to, to the world out there and, and help us close out this Leading Through Chaos uh, podcast. Um, help, help sign us off, Brad, by just giving us one last, one last tidbit from the Brad Winstrip Library. Well, you know, I just say do the best you can each, each and every day. Say your prayers at night. Tell your family you love them. Amen. Well, thanks, Brad. This has been an incredible and insightful um, podcast with Congressman Brad Winstrip, U.S. Army veteran, surgeon, doctor, and good friend. Um, Brad, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being with us, and, and thank you on continuing to lead our country. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for all you do and your service as well. God bless you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us on The Next Level. We hope that you found a couple of tips or insights today that you can take into your daily life. To learn more about our leadership training programs, our executive coaching programs, and the Team Performance Institute, please visit us at teamperformanceinstitute.com or email us at info at teamperformanceinstitute.com. Hope you have an awesome day. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on The Next Level. We hope that you found a couple of tips or insights today that you can take into your daily life. To learn more about our leadership training programs, our executive coaching programs, and the Team Performance Institute, please visit us at teamperformanceinstitute.com or email us at info at teamperformanceinstitute.com. Hope you have an awesome day. Thank you.